This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I am your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined by Ben Bokchak and Matt Addison. And today we are going to talk about that thing that we don't like talking about. It's Mo Salah's contract. Now, Every goal, every assist, every magic performance from the Egyptian king, the clamour increases to get him tied down. Liverpool fans get nervous. That little voice in the back of our head says, well, he's not tied down yet. Anything could happen. Well, we're going to confront it today. We're going to work out exactly why we think it's taken this long and what actually could happen. All of the machinations, we're going to lay our cars out on the table. Maybe it's going to be a bit of therapy for you. Maybe it'll be just something to help you calm down through this period. But either way, Matt, it's understandable that Liverpool fans are nervous because he's very good, isn't he? He certainly is, yeah. The, the best player in the world, without a doubt, I think, at this moment in time. And it, the longer it goes on, the more people will get nervous. I think, for me, the thing that gives me hope, and, and I'm fairly confident that, that it will still you know happen and, and he will still be tied down is is two things really I think it would be stupid of Liverpool not to do it but also he clearly wants to stay he said it enough times and I think when those two things are the case you think a compromise can be found and I know we're, we're kind of going into details in terms of, of what might be happening and what might have, have delayed it and, and all the rest of it we don't know for sure exactly what the, the demands are but you'd think that if, for example, it was to come down to, to the finances and the money, if he's that desperate to stay, at some point a compromise will be found. And I think it's going to be a really crucial six months. I think you'd be worried if he got to the end of this season and it still hadn't been done because there's not too many contracts that get signed within the last 12 months of, of the deals. But yeah, I'd still be at this stage fairly confident that in the next sort of five or six months, there will be an announcement and uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to do it at the end of January after Liverpool have signed no one in the January transfer window <laughs> just to cheer everyone up. Well, I mean, there were some people who thought they were going to do it at Christmas, but I mean, that makes a lot more sense, to be honest, if they are particularly, if they know already that they're not going to be signing any players. Now, Ben, Matt mentioned the fact that Salah has himself said that he wants to stay on quite a few occasions. And that's interesting because he doesn't talk publicly very often. So every time it does, it seems to have a lot of weight. Now, obviously, you can look at it from the perspective of he's trying to reassure the Liverpool fan base that he's not agitating for a move, as we've seen from great players of the past. But he's also playing the game a little bit here, isn't he? Because he is putting pressure on the FSG. Because were they to let an elite talent like him slip through their fingers... The blame is only getting pointed in one direction, isn't it? I mean, he's in a luxury position, I think, in the sense that he knows he is the best player in the world. He knows Liverpool will not be able to find anyone better in the market. And, uh, I mean, fair enough to him. You know, as the best player in the world, he should be played accordingly. And you can't really blame him for putting FSG in that situation because uh, he's completely entitled to ask for whatever he wants. Uh, he deserves it, but especially after this season. You can't argue with it. No, I mean, it's become a bit of a cliche in some American sports where we talk about people having a contract season where the last year of their deal before the, the, they have to decide what the salary is going to be, they suddenly become a great player. Now, 
I think Mo was already a great player, to be perfectly honest. It's almost as if he's found this extra level that no one really knew about. And I'm not sure it's down to the contracts. I put it down to as much as the disappointment from last season as anything else. But we can only speculate with the numbers, Matt. But let's speculate with the numbers. Now, the reports that have been out have suggested that he's looking for anywhere up to £500,000 a week, which... To put it into perspective, that's more than twice the players currently at the top of Liverpool's wage structure, which are Virgil van Dijk and Thiago, and a 150% increase on what he's on at the moment. Now, 150% is a big jump. Now, that maybe says the fact that Liverpool maybe had him cheap earlier, but it's still a big jump. And considering that Liverpool's contracts tend to be weighted heavily more towards bonuses as opposed to having some kind of basic. Is this the area where maybe there might be some pushback from FSG, where there might have to be some kind of compromise from what them or maybe even think about the unthinkable? Yeah, I think, um, as I understand it, a lot of, of the contracts at Liverpool are heavily, heavily incentivized. So it's it's limiting that risk, isn't it? I think if you were to, to offer Mohamed Salah four or 500,000, I think a, a vast majority of that would have to kind of come in installments in terms of if Liverpool win X, Y and Z, then he gets certain and bits of, of money. And I think he will look at it and think that that is what he is deserving of. As Ben says, he's, he's the best player in the world. But I think he'll always back himself to get that as well. I think if there was a clause, for example, to say that if he wins the, the golden boot, then he gets an extra bit of money. I think he'd basically just accept that and say, yeah, I'll probably will win it. So, yeah, that'll, that'll do. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's it from, from Liverpool's perspective. It's, it's going to be about reducing that risk, hasn't it? I think if you are going to pay someone that kind of, of money, you need to to get the guarantee and I can understand the kind of question marks given his age will he still be doing it in a few years time I think personally I think he will I think there's there's enough evidence of of the shape that he's in the the form that he's in at the moment he, he just keeps getting better and better and he's obviously not particularly injury prone either I think he's only missed seven or eight games in the entire time that he's been at Liverpool so I think that the evidence is there Liverpool have, have got far more data and, and detail in terms of the medical side of it than, than we have. But the evidence that we've seen so far would suggest that he can continue to, to do that. The other thing that I think comes into it as well, though, is like you say, that the people at the top of, of those sort of earnings around 200,000, Virgil van Dijk, Thiago, Jordan Henderson is just below that. I think you look at all of those players and, and think, what would what would the knock-on effect be? I, I don't think the knock-on effect would be with those players. I think if you asked Virgil van Dijk, would he rather earn the same as Mohamed Salah and Salah leaves in the summer or would he rather earn a bit less and, and Liverpool get to keep him? I think he'd probably say you know, Liverpool can keep Mohamed Salah and, and it doesn't particularly matter. But I do think that the knock-on effect could be interesting more in terms of possible signings for the future. I think if you were to be, bring in a player like a Thiago, for example, who is a little bit more established, possibly from the outside, they might look at it and think, well, Salah's on this much. Why is everyone else so low? Where where do I kind of fit in? So I think that might be more the complication. But still, I'd still be thinking, just get Salah and, and worry about that <laughs> later. That's the key though, isn't it, really, Ben? Because when we're talking about these things about wage structures, we are talking about hypotheticals. We don't know 
who with whom Liverpool are negotiating, if they're anyone they are negotiating, who is going to ask for any of those kind of numbers? And within the dressing room, as Matt said, I think Virgil van Dijk would say that Salah's earned his money. And the interesting thing for me about that whole kind of bonus versus basic argument is if you're challenging Salah, saying you believe you're £500,000 a week guy, go and win the golden boot, go and win us the league and you'll get it. And he has the belief in his teammates to look around and say, you know what, I'm going to get it. Absolutely. And I think um, recently, I don't know how reliable the reports were, but it was interesting that I think Salah kind of used that as a rebuttal in um, negotiations. Sky Germany reported that he supposedly asked Liverpool to sign a number nine and stuff. So if anything, Salah can use those negotiations as sort of a way to get Liverpool to be even more competitive in the market and uh, to show their ambitions because he, at the end of the day, he is a player who is going to be turning 30 next year and mm-hmm. he will want to win those trophies and he will want to compete at the highest level. So Liverpool, it, it's not just Salah who needs to show ambition, it's, it's Liverpool as well. They need, they need to show ambition and they need to show him that you know, we can win titles, we can win the Champions League and we can compete with the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea and uh, be there at the top. I think when you're trying to exist at the elite level of football though, Ben, being ha- having to pay out big money for big players, it becomes just a part of life, so part of doing business. And obviously we've seen FSG try to strive for as long as possible to do things differently, to think about superstars at or to build superstars rather than buy superstars. But is it feasible for that to be the plan forever? Can we never see that break? And if the rumours are that Haaland is on Liverpool's radar, he's going to be looking for money exactly the same as that. Surely it's as easy or easier to pay Salah, who has up to that point earned that money in a Liverpool shirt, compared to, as Matt mentioned, the younger player who maybe hasn't had that gravitas yet, particularly within a dressing room like Liverpool's. No, absolutely. And I think it it doesn't even have to be a younger player. You see Eden Hazard, who was talked about as world-class, one of the best players in the world when he went to Real Madrid. He went to a new system and he's struggled. It's it's been a horrendous transfer. And and you don't know if, if Liverpool are going to let Salah go. You don't know if that's going to happen with Mbappe and ha- or Haaland. It, it, it does take time to adjust to a new system and a new style, a, a new league as well. Um, another recent example is Jadon Sancho, of course, at Manchester United. He, he's struggled to adjust as well. So it, it's always a risk, whereas you have Salah, who you know he's going to get your goals. You know he's he, he's, he fits into the system. He, he knows the system and, and everything. So it, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion, to give him that, that contract. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You make a good point, actually. If you're thinking about the blockbuster, super-duper transfers at the top of the very top of football in recent times, I'd say Mbappe to PSG is the only one that's been an unqualified success from the jump. I'd say Neymar, he has probably grown into it. They would say they're probably happier that they bought him than not, Matt. But this is something else to consider, isn't it? It's like... I mean, we talk about the grass is not always greener, but when you are making these kind of multi-million pound decisions, you really have to think about these things. 
Yeah, you do. I think I think there's enough evidence though that Liverpool could get that right. I think that that wouldn't necessarily be a concern. I think it's it's something that if you are looking at the past, you look at Virgil Van Dijk, you look at Allison. They've they've spent that money because they were absolute nailed on certainties to, to come into the team and, and improve it. And I think they've surpassed expectations even. But Liverpool knew that they were getting value for for money within those players and. To be honest, I put Jaden Sancho in the same category. To be honest, I think if he came into to Liverpool rather than Manchester United, it could have been you know, a very different transfer. It, it could have gone very differently for him with proper coaching set up and, and a proper system around him. I think he would have looked completely different. So, I think it's it's one of those where it is it is difficult. It's it's something that you've got to weigh up. But I think just more for for me in terms of of the transfer risk and and that kind of thing. It, it, you just look at it and think, well, if it is sort of 400,000 a week, I can't do the maths quickly enough, but it's about 85 million. I think that the investments over sort of four or five years of, of a contract for Salah, you can't buy anyone for, for that that's as good as Mohamed Salah. And mathematically, fundamentally, that is that is it for me. That's the equation you've got to do is, is it cheaper to sign him up or is it cheaper to, to sign a replacement that's, that's not as good? Well, yeah, I think that the I'm not even sure that money gets to his left foot, let alone the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. you mentioned Jaden Sancho there, and penny for your thoughts, Jaden, if you're watching. But the people who he would have been fighting for in the place in the side, maybe not necessarily Mohamed Salah, it's his two partners in the front three, Bobby and Stadio. Now, they are also in a similar position contract wise in terms of theirs also runs out in the summer of 2023, which means that at the end of this season, they would have one year left. Matt, I'll come to you on this first. To what extent do you think they are tied into these considerations with Salah? I think particularly about Sadio Mane, because there might be a situation where he and his agent see him and his true value one place, and his value on the market may well be a little bit different. And it's not to say that he believes he is as good as Salah, but he may think he's closer than a lot of other people do. And that could be a real problem. Yeah, and it's it's not that long ago that we were talking and having podcasts and, and conversations about is Sadio Mane better now than Mohamed Salah? Has he surpassed him? Is he better than him? I think the answer definitely now is is obviously no because of what Salah has done and, and taken his game to a new level. And maybe Sadio Mane is starting to, to slow down a little bit. I think we've seen a, a bit of a change in terms of the way that he plays now. He's not quite as explosive he's got to be a little bit cleverer in terms of, of the way that he does that but I think he's he's successfully done that I think the, the sort of volume of goals that he's got this season again distorted by Mohamed Salah is it's probably a lot better than than what it looks just on paper because he's okay miles behind Mohamed Salah but so is everyone else so hmm. yeah I think it's it's going to be a really interesting one to see what they do with all three of those players I think obviously Salah is one that you'd think is a no-brainer but I think the other two there is there is a bit of, of a question mark. I think there's, there is a question in terms of could there be a refresh? Is it better to, to cash in on one of them whilst they're, they're still at the, the kind of age that, that somebody might come in and, and buy them? But again, I mean, it's it's similar to Salah. You look at who would who would buy these players. I'm not sure there's, there's necessarily a market for someone like Sadio Mane. I think possibly someone like a, a Barcelona could have been interested in the past, but it's not really viable anymore. They might not be in the Champions League. Real Madrid, again, they've been linked. Zinedine Zidane is, is a huge fan of uh, of him, but obviously he isn't there anymore. And also they're going to try and get Kylian Mbappe and, and Erling Haaland. So 
I, I just wonder if if the market maybe isn't there for, for these players now. And I think that plays into Liverpool's hands. Obviously, there's always going to be a market for Mohamed Salah because he's Mohamed Salah, the best player in the world. But I think whilst you could maybe see someone like PSG deciding that Salah was one that they had to go for if the opportunity came up, I'm not sure. Certainly with Firmino, I don't think that's the case. But even with Sadio Mane now, I, I just, I'm not quite convinced that there'd be a long line waiting to, to snap him up if the opportunity arose. It's interesting though, because I think the circumstances around the big clubs financially plays as much a part of that as his individual form, Ben. Because as Matt mentioned, I think we've kind of overlooked how much better Mane's numbers are this season compared to the last season. Now, obviously, in the, within the games, as Matt mentioned, he's doing things differently. He's still not pin sharp. He's still not perfect, but he's effective. And he's more effective than nearly every other forward in the league. So we might sit here and say, we don't think that anyone else is going to come in for him. They might surprise us. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's just his stats and, and the goals. It's... Um... His overall play, I think he's impacting the game a lot more. Even when he's not getting goals and assists, you see him set up um, numerous goals. I think he set, he did the one-twos with Robertson in the derby and uh, then Newcastle as well. Crucial goals at the time. And uh, those kind of things, I think, play into it as well But in terms of his improvement. Because last season... Even when he was scoring goals, I don't think he was getting involved as much in, in Liverpool's build-up play. And uh, that is an encouraging sign. And I think that that's the kind of things, you know, potential buyers and suitors will, will look for uh, in terms of um, his performances. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think as well, uh, with both with Firmino and uh, Mane, you, you look at Salah and, and he is irreplaceable, but with Mane and Firmino, there have been signs, like Matt said, of, of a sort of decline and a sort of regression in terms of form. And, and you look at that and you think maybe not this summer, but next summer might be the time to to replace them with a, with a, a younger player, someone else. And, and, and they do look as like players who can be replaced. And, and there have been targets like Jeremy Doku or Kamaldine Sulemana, who, who, if they do progress to the level and the potential that they have in a couple of years' time, they could be ready for that role at Liverpool. Mm. That's the key, isn't it? The way the Liverpool do business is they will already know, should Mane leave, they already know exactly who they want to replace him. Essentially, they've kind of already found a replacement for Firmino, if you think about the exactly. job. Yeah. And so then the situation with Firmino becomes a little bit more interesting because... You're asking him to be a backup, a veteran role, and he may want to do more, he may not. But I think we could get into a situation with Firmino where we can kind of milner him, just basically keep offering him one-year deals. And then at some point in the future, he'll go, OK, I'm going back to Brazil. And we'll go, fair enough, Bobby. Thanks for everything. Now, going back to Salah, Matt, um, there are some other considerations about this, aside from just the pure finances. As much as we've heard um, Mohamed Salah talk about how much he wants to stay, something else we've heard him talk about is missing out on the captaincy on a few times. And in the interview with Marco as well, it was mentioned that he wanted to feel loved and appreciated by the club. Now, some people see that as being, say, well, you show your love and appreciation by how much money you're willing to pay me. 
But I don't think it's just it for Salah. I think he wants to feel like he is an important part of this era of the club. And I mean, I don't know what more Wiz fans can do to make him more important. I don't know, maybe a fifth song. But what do you think he means when he says that? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to know exactly what he means. I think the, the captaincy thing is is interesting. I think we've seen little bits and we've heard little bits coming out of the club in terms of that kind of leadership. I think that the thing, it was only a, a small thing with Harvey Elliott in the summer where he said you know, there, there were certain things that he should and shouldn't be eating and things like that. I think that kind of, of thing automatically has, has elevated him a little bit. Obviously, Gini Wijnaldum has moved on, was part of, of that leadership group. Mohamed Salah has, has naturally stepped up in, in terms of, of that kind of thing. I think, I, I don't know, it's, it's one of those. I think, like you say, Liverpool fans can't do any more the club the only thing they can do is is get that contract offer right there's there's not really anything that you can can give him that he doesn't already have i think in terms of of the adulation the the love and the appreciation that he's got i mean if he doesn't think he's getting enough of that at liverpool i mean he's not going to get that anywhere else to to anywhere near the same level if you go to to psg i think neymar has, has probably found that Kevin mbappe maybe would probably quite like it a little bit more of, of the limelight. Lionel Messi as well, even as, as maybe not at the, the, well, certainly not at the same level of, of adulation that he would have had at, at Barcelona. So, yeah, I think for me, I think that was maybe not a distraction, but almost just, you know, it, it was a part of that interview process. It was a part of, of maybe that that leverage of, of trying to put a little bit of pressure on Liverpool. I don't think realistically he can expect any more from, from the club in terms of, of that kind of thing. And to be honest, I, I don't think he does. I think it, it will come down to the money, but he obviously can't just say, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like four or 500,000 a week. There's, there's got to be other reasons that he kind of factors into it as well. <laughs> so so you, you think the whole captaincy thing is just a smokescreen, really? It's just essentially, it's like, I want the armband because they're going to stuff a few 50s in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, I think naturally he's going to be I mean, more, more and more of a leader, isn't he? Naturally, that is going to happen anyway. I don't think that's something that will come into the contract is, is all I mean. I mean, just it, it's going to happen, isn't it? When you're a player of that level, you naturally lead by example anyway. So it, it's not something he needs to worry about. I think one thing I'd say as well, right. like you, you don't really see a lot of uh, captain wingers who are captains anyway. Uh, so it, it, even Klopp, he tends to go with Van Dijk playing from the back, and then the likes of Henderson and Milner in midfield. You don't really see uh, sort of attacking players given that armband, even outside of Liverpool. No, this is true. And uh, there's there's a certain fellow at right back who's also got designs on it long term. So. I think it might be one of those things where, as a group, they become... We've, we've kind of almost pioneered this idea of the leadership group within this country. I know it's, it's uh, familiar in, in uh, European football, but for English teams, it's very much been the one totem, the leader, who's out there like, leading the team into battle. Whereas Liverpool really do do it by committee. When you can have someone who's a strong leader as Virgil van Dijk, and then you have James Milner, but then everybody also knows that Jordan Henderson, when he's there as the leader, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of um, jealousy or anything like within it. I think that's a really good structure to build on. And going back into what I was saying about Mohamed Salah, Matt, you mentioned the fact that he's been kind of mentoring Harvey Elliott. That is something that we're seeing him do a lot. And that's something else that speaks to someone who wants to be there for a long time, because it's not just about 
training up his successor, but it's training up the guy who's going to hopefully assist him with some more goals. Yeah, and I think it's it's about building up that legacy as well. I think when he leaves Liverpool, I think he he realises the, the kind of, of legacy that he can leave behind. Obviously, the goals and the trophies are one thing, and he's already done that, but it, it's about that long-term thing as, as well, isn't it? And I think, like I said before, in terms of, of the captaincy, I think this is a kind of similar thing where it's it's just natural. I think it's it's within this environment that Liverpool have got, the coaching staff and all of the uh, the senior players. They're all you know, the right characters, if you like. I'm not a massive fan of, of that phrase, what, what's right and what's wrong. But I think that that kind of cliche does kind of apply really to Liverpool. I think it's it's something they when they recruit, it's it's something that they look into. They do their background checks on what kind of, of character a player has, what kind of person he is within the training ground. And I think they've pretty much got that spot on in, in every single case of, of players that they've come in. But I think we've we've certainly seen that with Salah. I think when he first came in, it was probably more of, of a selfish kind of outlook. He wanted to, to kind of improve himself as a, as a player and get himself to, to the level that he knew he could be at. But I think it's it's natural once you get to a level like that, he doesn't really need to think about being the best player in the world anymore because he already is. He can now start to, to concentrate on on everyone else. And, and like you say, the, the better everyone else become, the better it is for him as well. Yeah, especially if he's got to win leagues to get about 500 grand. But yeah, <laughs> best player in the world. Tick. So it looks like we've all decided that FSG aren't silly enough to let the best player in the world go through the hands and this contract is going to get done. So the final question really is when. Now, Ben, I was wondering whether the finances, the way that the financial year is structured might have anything to do with this in terms of Liverpool wanting to get it in one year's accounts or another year's accounts. So you think about maybe around April, May time being, or do you think Matt's right when it is something that will happen more towards the, the summertime? I think it is, I mean, more towards the summertime could be, uh, I think, the most likely time to announce it, just in terms of the fixture schedule as well. There's a lot of games around April and May time, and I think the concentration, especially around May, will be on sort of identifying the targets Liverpool will potentially target in the summer. And uh, I think, obviously, with the... Hopefully Liverpool will be in contention with trophies towards the end of the season. So the onus will be on that as well. And I think Liverpool will not want to put a sort of distraction on their best player around that time to sort of intensify the negotiations. So I think if if, if um, nothing happens um, in January, uh, I can see it being delayed until the summer and then um, signing a contract based on how Liverpool season went and, and based on how Salah's season has gone and, and both have been, hopefully it'll be a, a positive outcome for in, in terms of both of that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's the likelihood um, that, I, I like Matt said, if it doesn't get done in the summer, I would start to worry then because um, 12 months left on his contract, that means in January he could be free to negotiate on a free contract. So, in 2023 and, and that is a that would be a worrying time for a Liverpool supporters around the world and as we've seen with Kylian Mbappe even the best teams are sometimes um, not willing to pay the big money when they think they can get him for free in a year's time but hopefully that's not going to happen hopefully you are right man it's, it's, all, done yeah. already. 
It was just waiting for the perfect time to drop it. Now, how's this for a perfect time to drop it? The day before a Champions League semi-final, second leg, away at Manchester City. When we already have a one-goal lead and we're just looking to put them away on our way to the Champions League final. How's that? I mean, I'd, I'd take it any time, to be honest. But yeah, that would be that would be okay as well. Um, yeah, I, I, like Ben says, I think it, it makes sense that it has to happen at some point. You don't want it to be a distraction, but at the same time, I think it will be strategically put, shall we say. It will be placed, like you say, at, at a time when it could either give Liverpool a boost, it could be off the, the back of... Know, hopefully this isn't the case, but maybe they could go out of the Champions League and, and maybe it could come out later in that week. Maybe, you know, certain things might happen and possibly that could happen. But I mean, first and foremost, the agreement has to be made before any kind of decisions PR-wise can, can be taken in terms of, of when that is. So, yeah, for now, fingers crossed that it gets done. But like we've discussed, for, for all of, of the reasons we've gone over for the last half an hour or so, I think the chances of it not being signed are surely they they've surely got to be slim because it would just be it would just be crazy not to it would be crazy and if there's one thing fsg have shown themselves to be it's not crazy so i think by that rationale we can say yeah it's done we can announce it here we're very pleased no we can't officially do that don't worry i'm not gonna officially do that but hopefully we've put your minds at ease over the last half an hour that the likelihood is it is coming so, Matt, Ben, thank you for that. Thank you all for joining us on this wonderful little journey. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.